0: Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL playoffs, along with Week 17. We'll be talking about Jack's Pack, our NFL betting segment. We'll move into the NBA with some looks at the standings, talk about a little news there. We will talk about the college football championship game, and then we'll have our best for last. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome in everybody to an absolutely loaded show And I would like to be the first to welcome you into season 2 of the Just In Time Sports Podcast Season 1 was a massive success and it cannot be done without you guys listening every week Showing support and remember you can find the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts or spotify and you can also follow the twitter page at j Sports because that'll have a bunch of breaking news i'm constantly on it tweeting when i find out info i immediately tweeted on there so i hope you guys follow that that way you're always in the know one step ahead of your friends but we're going to jump right into the nfl which is going to be to be honest the lead on this show until the super bowl more than likely we've got week 17 coverage we've got nfl playoffs But let's jump right into a wild Week 17, for that matter. I love Week 17 in the NFL. It's a lot of winning your ends. Uh, If you win, you need this person to lose and that person to win for you to get this seating. It was even more important this year, seating wise because there's only one bye. So usually, you come down the stretch. Teams, honestly, if they have the first or the second seed locked up, they might risk going to the two because they already have the bye locked up, it's more important to them to secure health going into the playoffs than maybe in the championship game on your home field but because of the single bye teams had to play for instance, last year, I don't think the Green Bay Packers played as hard as they did against the Chicago Bears maybe they play a half, maybe they play, you know, a half maybe uh, Devontae Adams might play a series or two, maybe Aaron Rodgers plays a quarter and a half, maybe a full half but you don't see them really, really pushing for the number one seed because they have a bye rating because they would've been a top two seed barring absolute catastrophe. And so much would've had to happen for them not to be the one seed. It was a fairly safe bet that even if they lost the game, you would've needed Seattle to win and the Saints to win in order for you not to be the number one seed. And so who knows how hard the Packers would've played. Kansas City had their bye secured and they decided, you know, we're going to rest. And then you look at guys like Buffalo, who told us coming to the game, yeah, Matt Barkley's going to play a significant amount of snaps. And then they put a 50-burger on the Dolphins to secure their were the second seed. Which is something that you would have seen last year to secure a bye, but this year it was to secure playing the seventh seed, whoever that may be, out of the AFC at that time. So absolutely different strategies going into week 17 than we would normally see. But just going through some games quickly, could this have been the last game of Deshaun Watson's Houston Texans career? We're going to start off with Texans and Titans. It was a huge game for multiple reasons. Obviously, the Texans were just trying to get to the offseason healthy. You know guys when they play week 17, they're trying to put film on for the next job, for the next coach, for the next general manager. You're trying to put good film on tape. You got guys like J.J. Watt, who knows how many games he has left in his bag because he's been injured a lot lately and he's getting up there in age. You've got young staffers on the team who's trying to make an impression on the next coach, on the next general manager. So you've got a lot of different scenarios going on for the Texans. As for the Titans, Derrick Henry needed 220 some odd yards for 2000. He said, hold my beer and my scepter. I'm gonna go for 250 yards and get the 2000 yards. So Derrick Henry joins Terrell Davis as the only people to have 2000 yards and 15 touchdowns in a season. Terrell Davis did this and won the NFL MVP. Now, that was a different NFL. That was over 20 years ago. So, the passing numbers weren't nearly as explosive as they are now. There was nobody doing what Aaron Rodgers did and going for 51 total touchdowns and five interceptions. No one was doing that. There was no one doing what Patrick Mahomes did. There was no one doing what even Deshaun Watson did this season, throwing for nearly 5,000 yards. That wasn't commonplace in the late 90s when Terrell Davis did what he did for the Broncos but should Derek Henry get MVP consideration? Absolutely. I mean, this game was a very crucial game. It gave a lot of confidence, in my opinion, to the Titans offense. If you look at one of the plays, actually, the game winning play that set up the game winning field goal that doinked in due to Gascossi being on the COVID list and had a backup the texans ran their one of their staple defenses to cover four the titans had the perfect play against it they pulled the safety out of the middle of the field and then ran aj brown right behind where the safety should have been but it wasn't a blown coverage it was how the defense set up to run the titans attacked it called a perfect play against it you got a beautiful throw from ryan Tannehill, absolute bomb to aj brown set up a titans field goal next thing you know they're in the Field goal range, knocking it through the goalposts, and the Titans win and secure their division. And so they end up with the Baltimore Ravens at home in the NFL playoffs. Our next game we're going to talk about is the game that the NFC East, it was maddening. The NFC East honestly ended in the most NFC East way humanly possible. I didn't think that a situation could end so like something, you know, you know, like when you have a friend and you're like, man, that was so Sam, Sam, man, no, Sam did exactly what he was going to do there. I wouldn't have imagined Sam doing anything else because in the, in the grand scheme of life, you know, Sam, and you know what Sam's going to do in 99% of situations, and it doesn't throw you off when Sam does something a little wacky because Sam's a wacky person. Well, the NFC East is Sam. The NFC East was wacky all season. Pretty much after week four, it was not a who's going to win a division. It was how many games under 500 would the person who wins the division have. So they win six games, five games, seven games, ended up being seven ultimately. But it was a situation where you knew this division was going to end weird because the division was terrible and so the first game of the NFC East doubleheader, basically was cowboys and giants it was a very highly contested game it was a situation where the winner of that game gets in basically or has the opportunity to get in with a washington loss it was a hard fought contest you definitely saw not a lot of titles on the field i mean this game was missing two of its biggest stars with cowboys quarterback dak prescott being out and Giants running back Saquon Barkley being out. You saw, but you saw two teams absolutely fighting. Jason Garrett got his revenge on the Cowboys by ending their season, and they were sitting there in a prime position to make the playoffs, pending a Washington loss. Mike McCarthy had a blunder by not challenging a Dante Pettis catch that ultimately led to a Giants field goal, which basically ended up being the difference in the game if those if that play doesn't happen instead of being a 50-yard kick and it's a 60-yard kick i doubt that joe judge goes for it being a special teams guy 60 yards is nearly impossible especially with the risk of if he misses the cowboys get the ball basically on the 50-yard line and that's a lot to consider and that's a lot to think about when you're in that situation especially because andy dalton wasn't having the best of days he had a pretty good second half but he wasn't having the best of days and ultimately the giants win the game uh they found a way to make a little bit more impact on their side of the ball uh, especially on the offensive side and the giants ultimately pulled it out daniel jones played a little better than andy dalton in terms of a total game again like i say andy dalton had a pretty good second half the problem was his first half was so eh that it kind of kept the giants at arm's length he kept couldn't really get close enough to them to make them really sweat outside of the dante Pettis play it would have been very interesting to see the decision that would have been made on that kick would have been a punt you do you don't go for it It it'd be too long for that so would have been a punt you shot a long field goal anyway um dallas really it took dallas even making a very long end of half field goal to even make it a contest so you make it from 11 points to 8 points to get it within one possession to make it interesting in the second half because the way the Cowboys moved the ball in the first half, it looked like they wouldn't have a chance to catch up. So that was a very interesting game. But ultimately, the Giants win the game and set themselves up to sit down and watch the Washington football team play the Philadelphia Eagles for the right in the playoffs. Washington wins, they're in. Washington loses, the Giants are representing the NFC East and get the right to play tom brady and Tampa Bay buccaneers the whole country's watching it's sunday night football you cannot get any more pressure packed than this unless the eagles can make it themselves everybody was watching this game it was game 256 it was a double celebration it was man next week's the playoffs and oh my god we got through 256 games without a bubble and honestly not a lot of covet exposure to be honest we had a we had a, we had a titans outbreak we had a ravens outbreak other than that we didn't have a whole lot going on in terms of you know team outbreaks it was a player here and there that was to be expected but there was no situation where I mean, it wasn't like you know three or four teams happen to have covid players that got tested and now six teams have outbreaks and gotta add another week you No, know, we had the titans outbreak which caused a bunch of schedule shifting and we had a Ravens outbreak, which again caused a bunch of schedule shifting. Screwing the Steelers twice. But hey, a bunch of schedule shifting. But, and back to this game, it was game 256. Celebration game. Can't wait to watch this game. And then it happened. And then it occurred. And you saw it knowing, looking back on it with 2020 hindsight, you saw it happening. You saw it occurring, but you didn't know it yet. Doug Peterson basically gave Washington the division. Handed it to him, there you go. Silver platter, doop, you want it? Division, NFC East, yours. Because he put Nate Sudfeld in the game, down three with a chance to win it, mid third quarter. Nate Sudfeld. I'm sure he's a good guy. You don't stay in the NFL backup unless you're a good guy. I'm, I'm sure he's a spectacular guy. I'm sure he's just a great human. He's been in the NFL four years. What were you possibly expecting to see in three to four drives that you didn't know in in four years? Uh, Doug Peterson after the game stated that we really wanted to get Nate in there. He deserved a shot to play, and I wanted to evaluate him, but I was also coaching to win. You don't coach to win and coach for an evaluation at the same time. That's what preseason exists. You want to evaluate people? So they got the preseason. So you have practice, scrimmages, film sessions. I don't know. But the 16 games this season, you don't evaluate them and then go back and go, oh, Damn, I really wanted to get Nate Sutton fit on the field. It's not it's not how it works. It's not how it's ever gonna work. And the fact that you said you were coaching to win made it worse. Because there was reports that Jason Kelsey, who's one of the leaders on the team, had a major issue with what happened and confronted Coach Peterson about it. Because he denied it. Of course, he's of course he's gonna deny it. Doug Peterson, of course, downplayed the situation. But you, if we have clear video proof of Jalen Hurts shaking his head on the bench going, this ain't right. This ain't right. Why would you do that to Jalen Hurts? I un—I would have understood if it was Carson Wentz. If it was Carson Wentz and it was week 17, you don't have a playoff chance. And you say, man, I just want to see what Jalen Hurts can give me in a live action situation with live bullets coming at him, you know, because he could be the second round draft pick. I kind of want to see it. Okay. No problem. No issue. None. None for me. None right now. Nate Sudfeld? So, Jalen Hurts is probably your future because you. there's no way Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz walk back in the locker room together. No way. It's not possible. Jalen Hurts is your quarterback next year. There is no way on God's green earth that the three series you got at Nate Sudfeld was more important than watching Jalen Hurts see if he can come back after struggling a little bit passing the ball. Not possible. No way. Because if you thought Nate Suddenfeld was worth it, you wouldn't have picked Jalen Hurts in the second round. You would have had Sudfeld be your emergency quarterback if Carson Wentz struggles. But you drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. So clearly, that evaluation of Nate Sudfeld wasn't great in practice. And after watching him on the field, your evaluation of him in practice was right. And you, and you gave Washington a division. And I'm not one of the people that say, oh my god They marred the season They marred the integrity of football Damn Yeah, you screw the Giants But you're not the Giants coach In my opinion, you screwed your players In my opinion, Coach Peterson Screwed your players Because guys like Jason Kelsey Played Guys like Darius Slay Played Sir, Zach Ertz wouldn't give you his thousand percent Because he was trying to not get hurt But he played Miles Sanders played. We had a lot of guys on that offensive line, a lot of guys who were hurting, played in a basically meaningless game because they wanted to go one last ride with their team. You decided, Mr. Peterson, that, mm, no, we're just going to lose. Because you could not have thought that Nate Sutton was going to win that game. No way you thought that. He looked like a, a scared child with deer in the headlights. He was not prepared for that moment at all. So, some things has to give. And if I'm Philly, I'm tearing the organization apart. So, I mean, if I'm Howie Roseman, the owner, I'm te- not, uh, Jeffrey Lurie, sorry, the owner, I'm tearing the organization apart. Howie Roseman, the GM, gone. Doug Peterson, the coach, gone. Carson Wentz, the quarterback, gone. I'm, st- I'm starting over. I mean, there's, there's no conceivable way you bring that mix back. Two of the three has to go at least and whichever one stays has control of the organization because if you, if you get rid of roseman and peterson now wince is the man in philly because you got rid of the two people that was against him do that with peterson now he picks his quarterback and his gm he's the man you get rid of roseman you get rid of the two under roseman peterson and wince now hire roseman because holidays all of his power and he controls everything so it is a very interesting mix in Philly I would not want to be Jeffrey Lurie But he has to make some tough decisions about that But now we are going to shift to the NFL playoffs Super wild card weekend I am very excited about this I, am, I mean six playoff games in a weekend Back to back to back on Saturday And back to back to back on Sunday We're going to talk about that right after a quick break are back welcome back into the show and now we're gonna shift we're gonna stay in the nfl but we're gonna shift to super wild card weekend i am so excited about this three games on saturday three games on sunday all nfl all weekend absolutely spectacular this was gonna be this is gonna be great so we're gonna do day by day in terms of what kind we're gonna talk about the games we're gonna pick the games in this segment And we're going to do the games versus the spread in Jack's pack. So definitely pay attention to the second half of this segment, which we'll do after a short break. But let's start off with the NFL playoffs with Browns versus Steelers. Yes, the Cleveland Browns are in the playoffs. For the first time since 2002, the Cleveland Browns are in the playoffs and the New England Patriots are not. Uh... Huh. The 2020s are still delivering their um, oddness, to say the least. But the Cleveland Browns are in the playoffs. And they will go on the road to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. They will play the Steelers due to their being the same division for the third time this season. Now, they play all of Sunday, like five, six days ago. And. The Steelers almost won a game. The Browns had to win with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Now the Browns have a COVID outbreak. They're, they're without Joe Botonio. I'm sure it has to be heartbreaking for him, being a, a career long Clevelander. First time they get in the playoffs in his career, and he's out there. And Kevin Stefanski, who was my early pick coach of the year, and he has COVID. And I have a backup wide receiver with COVID. Other than that, they seem to be okay at the moment. Their game is not being rescheduled by the NFL at this time. I know that would upset Cleveland Browns fans, but it's a situation where these guys tested positive. So unless we were to push the game back a week and create another bye week of sorts and have all kinds of things off kilter, the NFL is not moving this game. It's not a situation like with the Ravens. They had a bunch of close contacts. And so moving it to Tuesday, Wednesday would work for them because they could just had to just keep testing negative and they would have been fine after contact, close contact tracing and things of that nature. With these guys testing positive, the few that did, those guys wouldn't be ready for another 10, 14 days. So there's no way for you to move the game three days and they'll be back. So I know it upset Brown's fans, but at the same time, unfortunately, this is the world we live in with the pandemic. Roger Goodell made it clear, like I said, but I've said it on shows before, unless it is a Raven style situation or a Titan situation where it's 10, 12, 14 people spread across the team, then he's not moving a game. If it's a coach, a backup player, and a guard, sorry, you're not, sorry, you just flat out not worth enough to the NFL to move the game. Now, it's such. I'd be a situation or interesting to see if a guy like Patrick Mahomes gets COVID on a Monday and you know because of the 10 days he technically would be ready by a Tuesday or a Wednesday or Wednesday or Thursday would they adjust two games for Patrick Mahomes. I don't think so. It would be very hypocritical the NFL and it would hurt the integrity but we haven't seen that situation of a guy like a Brady getting it or a Patrick Mahomes or a Russell Wilson, somebody who could really move the needle financially. What happens if one of those guys get it? But back on topic to the Browns and Steelers, this is a game where you almost lost to the Steelers with Mason Rudolph. Now you get a big bend off a week of rest. You don't have your head coach if you're the Browns. You don't have a a very, very good guard if you're the Browns. And you lose a little receiver depth if you're the Browns. And now you're on the road. In a playoff game. With Big Ben, is not the best. He's not an amazing playoff performer by any means. But this is Baker's first playoff game. Now he's got his head coach. The guy who basically is helping turn his career around. I'm going to go Steelers here. So I expect the Steelers to win this game. I don't expect it to be particularly interesting. Um, Definitely something to look at in Jack's pack When we talk about the spread and things of that nature Shifting to the game that immediately follows God, I love the schedule Shifting to the game that immediately follows We're going to go with Colts and Bills Now with the Colts and Bills game This is a old versus new This is a situation where This could be Philip Rivers' last game in the NFL because you know, a lot of rumors are swirling every quarterback that's on the market Oh, could they end up on the Colts because the Colts have a pretty good roster they have a top offensive line they can run the ball and that defense is spectacular you put a Carson Wentz you put a Sam Darnold, you put a Matt Stafford on that Colts team you could be looking at a possible Super Bowl contender but speaking on the current state of the Colts and then you got the Bills who look like the 4 Steelers, who look like the young Big Ben Steelers, where they can run the ball, they've got a big, strong quarterback, they've got a good offensive mind on the other side of the ball, they've got an a opportunistic defense. So, an impossible MVP candidate. Ben never won an MVP, but he was always up there. There was always discussions of could Ben win one. Uh, unfortunately for him, just like unfortunately for Josh Allen, you happen to play in, in the era of some absolute goats. For instance, Josh Allen is up against Aaron Rodgers' best season. Big Ben was always up against Peyton Manning and Brady in their primes. It's hard to win anything with those two. And so when you look at it that way, now you're going to shift to the modern day game, the game where the Bills are hosting a playoff game for the first time as a division winner since 1995. To put it in perspective, their quarterback, Josh Allen, was born in 1996. So this is a humongous game. For the Bills in general For the community I would have loved to see Orchard Park Full to the brim Cheering and yelling and going crazy With Bills Mafia fans There will be a select few in there But it won't be you know nearly what it could be Or what it would have been in a normal situation And so the jitters won't be As bad for Phillip Rivers And it won't be as bad for young guys Like Jonathan Taylor And other young people like Michael Pittman On the Indianapolis Colts However, the game's outside. It's in the cold and it's for prosperity. Three things Phillip Rivers doesn't do well in the NFL with outside cold and prosperity chances. it against Pittsburgh, all they had to do to put a real stronghold on their playoff chances was to beat Pittsburgh. They were doing great in the first half, and then I think somebody let Phillip Rivers know prosperity was around the corner. And he folded Turned back into old man rivers after playing a pretty good string of, of football he turned back into old man rivers i think it continues in this game i don't i think that the bills turn him over a couple times and the bills win this football game over the colts and for the night cap on saturday we have ravens and titans rematch of last year's playoff game this game is huge for one person And one person only on the entire field And that is Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson I completely understand The media running To the defense of Lamar Well Peyton Manning started off 0-3 Nobody else in the last Three or four draft classes At quarterback in the first round Has even made the playoffs No Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield's in This is his first game, but no Kyler Murray Josh Allen, this is his first game A lot of people, this is their, if they're in, like a Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen, this is their first game. Lamar made it as a rookie. Lamar made it as a second year player, won the United MVP, and now he's making it as a third year player. So he's the only one out of that draft class. He has more playoff appearances than everybody else in the last three or four draft classes put together. Even if you count this weekend, he has three. Baker and Josh Allen would be the only ones carrying the torch for the two. So by all means, Lamar Jackson's success is. To be commended. The issue arises if he doesn't win on Saturday night against the Titans. Because that'll make three. Especially if it's a clunker. Now, if he goes out and it's 34-30, Derrick Henry runs for 225, three touchdowns. Tannehill throws one of the two touchdowns. Lamar goes nuts, but he scores 31 and the Titan kick a field goal with Gaskowski for 34 and win the game. No one's going to say a thing about Lamar Jackson. Not a word or at least they shouldn't They because he did his best, he scored 31 points in a playoff game he got outgunned, it happens uh, I mean, ask Aaron Rodgers he's been getting outgunned his whole career it seems out in Lambeau, he would score 35, the problem is he scored score 50 like, it's just it's just scenarios where you're going to get outgunned, what he cannot have happen is a Chargers repeat as a rookie uh, a Titans repeat last year where Derrick Henry had more passing touchdowns than he did He cannot have that happen. There is no scenario on the planet where Lamar Jackson can go 50-something percent completion percentage, has 200 total yards, scores 13 points, and loses 23-13. That cannot happen under any circumstance because the media will be ruthless. It's a situation where he has to win this game or at least not be the reason they lose. So, again, if he has a great game and they get outgunned and Henry and Tannehill, you know, one of the highest scoring, if not the highest scoring offense in the NFL, just is a machine and can't be stopped, you're off the hook. Lamar's off the hook for the media. No one's going to complain. If he has a bad game, he's in trouble. It's not the era of Peyton Manning where quarterbacks had their whole rookie contract plus You had a grace period. Plus, like I said, Peyton Manning was in the conference with Tom Brady. You kind of had an excuse. And the only reason Manning was even giving it as bad as he got it was because Brady was right next to him. winning three out of his first four years in the Super Bowl. And Peyton can win a playoff game. So that was the difference between those two. But it was a situation now with Lamar. He could be a victim of his own success. It's flat out wrong in my opinion. You shouldn't be victimized because you're successful. But it's kind of going to be that way because if he has a unanimous MVP on his resume, the only quarterback to rub 2000 or well, 1000 yards twice in a season, he's got all these legendary moments of coming out of the bathroom or getting cramps or whatever to beat the Browns. He's got moment after moment after moment. And yet when it turns when the calendar turns to the playoffs, he's got two clunkers. If he adds a third, his regular seasons don't matter. Nearly as much. They don't matter. Sorry, they just don't. Because they come in a situation where all everybody's gonna talk about is okay, we've seen that. We've seen you go for a thousand yards. Okay. We've seen you win a unanimous MVP. Okay. We know you get to playoffs, you're gonna stop. That is a horrible thing to carry. He knows it's out there. They ask him about it plainly. He, he said he wants to change the narrative. You know he doesn't care. He cares. He knows it's there. And the pressure's on Lamar Jackson for the Tennessee Titans. House money. House money. If Lamar Jackson goes berserk and beats you, he goes berserk on everybody. So it's house money for the Titans. I expect Derek Henry to have a big game. I expect Ryan Tannehill to be able to be successful. The reason being is Baltimore really went this offseason to stop Derrick Henry. They improved the interior of the line. They drafted Patrick Queen, that linebacker. They are here for one purpose, and that is to try and put Derrick Henry on the ground and not have him go absolutely ape on them and have 200 yards rushing three touchdowns and run them out of the building. Conversely, Lamar should be quite comfortable. The Titans can't pass rush, and their secondary can be had. So, Lamar should be quite comfortable in the pocket. There shouldn't be an issue where, you know, he's having to run around too much in terms of and create time in terms of a pass rush breaking through his line. That shouldn't happen. Even without Ronnie Staley, the Titans can't pass rush. Uh, So, with all that being taken into consideration, I would go. Baltimore to win Close So very close I'm talking like a field goal Tuck at the buzzer I would go Baltimore to win close Monkey off Lamar's back And you might see it plays He might play a lot freer And with a lot more openness to his game Because he won't have the monkey on his back Of man Lamar can't win a playoff game Or even worse Lamar is the reason why the Ravens keep losing playoff games now we're gonna shift to Sunday's games. We're gonna start off with Rams and Seahawks, which I found was a little weird. It's a little early for a West Coast kick. But hey, the NFL is like, forget all that. We want prime time games and prime time slots. And so they put Rams and Seahawks first. This game has a two-fold situation. This game could turn multiple different ways. But over at the Rams, who's playing quarterback? Is it Jared Goff or John Wolford? No disrespect to John Wolford, but the man has a LinkedIn profile still for a reason because he is half expecting that this won't last very long. John Wolford is a fine guy. He's an athletic quarterback and he can play a little bit, but I just don't anticipate how he can stay with Russell Wilson in a playoff game as being Russell Wilson is one of the greatest playoff performers in NFL history. Now juxtapose that to what if Jared Goff plays he hasn't been playing that well either he's been struggling lately he's going to be 10 days removed from surgery on a, on his thumb so how effective could he be first hit he's going to take how much pain is going to be shooting through his body where you know, he can't play anymore if he can play through it what is the situation with Jared Goff and how is that going to work conversely flip to the Seattle side of things they have to figure out how to marry their football team. What I mean by that is, the first half of the season, they had a great offense, no defense. Let Russ Cook was everywhere. He was having to throw for 300-something yards, 3-4 touchdowns a game to even keep them in some games because that defense was terrible. And then Carlos Dunlap arrives on the team, Jamal Adams is there, and now all of a sudden they have a great defense. The problem is, the offense is falling apart. It's like people figured out their scheme, uh, rushing on like a cooking. He's spilling ingredients all over the kitchen. And this is just a huge problem for the Seahawks because they have to figure out a way to marry their team. And somebody you don't want to see when your offense is struggling Aaron Donald. who in this iteration of the Rams defense has a couple of cohorts. He has Jalen Ramsey, he has a great young defensive coordinator. he has all the confidence in the world they'll be able to bust through a pretty porous seattle offensive line because they're playing for the third time so aaron donald knows exactly who he wants to pick on when he wants to pick on them and so that'd be very interesting to watch that game i think the decision will come down to which quarterback plays for the rams if it's jared goff i think the rams will beat the seattle seahawks if it's jared goff at his normal if it's Jared Goff healthy enough to be a normal quarterback and to be normal Jared Goff, I think the Rams beat the Seahawks. I do. If it's John Wolford, Seattle don't buy a landslide. Plain and simple, because you wouldn't. The pressure wouldn't be on Russell Wilson to keep up with Sean McVay because they'll have John Wolford at quarterback. Score twenty points, you'll probably be fine. And so I would pick Seattle if it's John Wolford. I would have the Rams if it's Jared Goff. A healthy, normal Jared Goff. Moving to the middle game. Chicago at New Orleans. I won't spend a lot of time on this game. It won't be particularly close. New Orleans is going to roll Chicago. I don't care who's playing quarterback. It could be Mitchell Trubisky. It could be Rex Grossman. It could be Jay Cutler. It doesn't matter. This game won't be close. The Saints are... Finally fully healthy, or as healthy as they're going to be all season. They've got both defensive ends the Cam Jordan and Trey Hendrickson. They've got both of their man offensive weapons in Michael Thomas, presumably, and Alvin Kamara. They've got Drew Brees. They've got Sean Payton. Taysom Hill is absolutely on fire. That defense is still one of the best defenses in the league, top five in basically everything. This team is in a situation where they are not and they're at home. Now it's not the, like I talk about the Buffalo. It's not the usual superdome where it's absolutely going berserk and you opposing teams are like what is happening in this building it's a college feel it's absolutely nuts but it doesn't matter because the saints are tremendously better than the bears now 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 there is a caveat and the caveat of this game is that that bears defense could get hot because trubisky gave this bears defense hope over the last few games and you've seen that with defenses when they believe they have a chance at winning a game, they magically play so much better than they did before. So, this Bears defense at the moment has hope. So, if they come out and Trubisky scored a touchdown on the first drive, get some field goal in the third drive, and it's 10 to 3 Bears, you could really see that defense start to turn up. Khalil Mack has been a no show most of the season. This would be a big game for him. You've got Eddie Jackson who is a ball hawk in the middle of the field. It's going to be a big game for him. But ultimately, it'll come down to can Trubisky score enough points to keep that defense believing they have a chance at beating Drew Brees. I don't see how that happens. I don't see how Trubisky scores more than 17. I'm going to bet Drew Brees scores at least 24 to 27. And so I would go with the Saints in that game. And to close out the first ever super wild card weekend, It would be Bucks on the road at the Washington football team. Now, this game has the potential to either be a Tampa blowout or a Tampa close victory. I would lean more to the Tampa blowout because I don't think I don't know. I don't see how Washington scores 17. I said the Bears could get 17. I don't see how Washington scores 17. Alex Smith can't move and Ty Bowles, the defensive coordinator on Tampa is unapologetically blitzing you he's coming under no circumstance is he not coming he's coming full head of speed downhill to blitz your living lights out he's coming Alex Smith can't move so because Alex Smith can't move we see him when he drops back he picks that right leg up because he don't want anybody near it understandably so look it's a great story I don't want to sound mean or like I'm not I'm insensitive to Alex Smith. It's an amazing story. It was so beautiful and amazing that his wife took that big old giant cast iron thing he had on his leg and turned it into a trophy that looks a lot like the Lombardi trophy. I I love that kind of stuff. I do. It's amazing. It's a great humanitarian, it's a great human story. I hope he wins and Player of the Year. He should win that unanimously it's spectacular because at one point his life was in danger at most of the journey his leg was in danger at 95 percent of the journey his football career wasn't even a thought process because he pretty much thought it was over it's amazing He, he can't be he can't perform in this he can't win this game it's it's just because they're they're coming and I'm sorry, but Alex Smith's leg is not on the priority list of the Bucks' safety watching. Like, they're coming for him. I don't see how he wins this game. I don't see how they keep it close. I mean, it, it's a trendy upset. Washington's front four is going to beat the Bucks. That's spectacular. Who's guarding A.B.? Mike Thomas, Chris Godwin, Gronk, Ronald Jones at the middle. Like, it, It's Brady in the playoffs. Yeah, it's on the road. It's his first game as a wild card. I get that. That Bucks team is so much better than that Washington team. I don't see how Alex Smith keeps it close. Now, they're 5-1 with Smith on the center, which is nothing to sneeze at. But Brady is absolutely on fire. There's no way. I mean, there's, there's no way Washington keeps it close. So Tampa Bay, big in that game. But up next, we're going to shift to our NFL segment. NFL betting segment, sorry. Jack's Pack. Alrighty, guys, and we are back. And now we're going to talk about Jack's Pack, our NFL betting segment. Now, we're going to do every game from the wild card weekend. we're going to do every game in the playoffs. Remember, Super Bowl is worth plus 10, because we're trying to get back to 500 here. Because all the money I would normally bet on the wild card weekend, I wouldn't just move it all to the Super Bowl and play a few different parlays, future bets, any of that nature. So, this is how we would do this cuz Subo's worth plus 10. Last week, a uh, decent week, 2 and 3 not 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 winning, not a winning week at all, but it's not a terrible week. We are currently 16 games under 500. I know. It ain't great. Feeling real Cleveland Browns circa 2013 here. But hey, we're going to get this thing back on the roll. It's playoff time. It's teams that I watch a lot, teams I pay attention to a lot, teams I have a lot of focus on, stuff of that nature. We're gonna get this show on the road, and I just want to fix the error I had early in the show when I said that the games I talked about in the second segment was in order. That was incorrect. I did it by conference. I just remember that when I looked down at this sheet of paper in front of me, in front of my notes. And actually, it is the games in order are the games I'm going to pick in order of Jack's pack. So that's how they're going to come on TV. Uh, and the first game, the opener of Super Wild Card Weekend, is Colts at Buffalo. Because remember I said it was a little weird that the West Coast game was at 11. Uh, I'm going to be 11 a.m. local time, but that's an odd kickoff time. Yeah, I, I should have realized it then. But it is all good because we're going to start off with Colts at Buffalo, which will start off Super Wild Card Weekend, like I just said. And It is Buffalo minus six and a half. I would take Buffalo there. I think they're gonna win by a touchdown So if it was seven, I'd probably go Colts But because I think they're gonna win by a touchdown Maybe even eight points. I would go with Buffalo there minus six and a half Home game again, Phillip Rivers close to prosperity cold and playoffs. There's not a good mix for him so I would definitely go with Buffalo there Rams at Seahawks, which is going to be a second game on Saturday. I It is Seahawks minus three and a half. This game, like I said earlier, is contingent on who plays quarterback. Because at the moment, I think it's John Wolford, I would go with Seattle minus three and a half, but this is a bet I definitely would not place until I find out who the hell is playing quarterback for the Rams. Because if it's Jared Goff, I would pick Rams to cover three and a half at least. I think it'd be about a field goal game for if Jared Goff plays either way. It'd be about a field goal game. If it's John Wolford, Seattle's going to win by a touchdown plus. So Seattle would cover the three and a half. So because I think it's John Wolford, I would go with Seattle minus three and a half. And to close out Saturday night, it is Bucks at Washington, Washington plus eight and a half. I would go with the Bucks there to win by about 10. At least because, like I said earlier, Alex Smith can't move. Amazing story, absolutely spectacular recovery story, redemption story. Uh, I feel like he should go around talking about it all the time. It is great for people to hear. However, this is football and no one cares about that when you're on the field. Todd Bowles is gonna come get him. I don't think Washington gets to 17, I think Brady and, and the crew gets to at least 27. And because of that, I would pick the Bucks to cover the eight and a half. Shifting to the first game on Sunday, it is Baltimore at Tennessee, Tennessee plus three and a half. Take Tennessee because of the half. I'm leaning towards Baltimore winning this game, but it's going to be close. Like I said, a Justin Tucker field goal. Well, if Justin Tucker's kicking a field goal to win, it has to be three or less. And because it's right now with that hook at three and a half, I would go Baltimore in this game chicago at new orleans new orleans minus 10 i would go with chicago if i had to put my money on it now my brain is telling me new orleans is going to win this game by two touchdowns plus but in a situation where it's the playoffs we don't know if that can be some kind of backdoor cover this game could be one of those games where it's a 14 point game, and then Chicago throws a touchdown with three seconds left. And you know, it's it's really still a 14-point game, but Chicago got a late touchdown, so the scoreboard reads seven. I'm going to go with Chicago to Chicago plus 10 in this situation against the Saints. Now, if it comes down to plus nine, plus eight, I start leaning towards back to the Saints, but plus ten is a lot to overcome. And so, for my betting money, I would go with the Chicago Bears in this situation. And then to close out Super Wildcard weekend, we have Cleveland at Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh minus six, go with Pittsburgh. I got said earlier when we first started off with the Browns, so we're going to end with the Browns in this situation. And without their coach and their best offensive guard and a backup wide receiver, and you almost lost to them when they had Mason Rudolph. Now they got Big Ben back, and they're going to play their normal offense and their normal complement of plays. I don't see how Cleveland keeps it close, so I would go with Pittsburgh minus six. Just to recap, that is Buffalo over the Colts, Seahawks over the Rams, Bucks over Washington, Tennessee over Baltimore, Chicago over New Orleans, and Pittsburgh over Cleveland. Now up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going on in the association Alrighty guys, and we are back and now we're gonna talk about what's going down in the association so when we look at this standings right now out east we have in this order philly orlando the pacers the celtics the knicks the bucks the nets the Cavs, and the hawks are a ninth so just looking at it like that it is a very situ a very interesting situation out in the east obviously doc rivers has the 76ers playing out of their minds right now Joel Embiid is reasserting himself as the best big in basketball, definitely is the best center. He is dominating everyone on the floor right now, and it looks like Doc Rivers could have him playing the best basketball of his young yet productive career. Orlando, I believe currently is the shock out of the East. I mean, there's number two. I know it's early, but it's like, it's Orlando. They got Vooch and Aaron Gordon. Pretty really much it in terms of star power, and Melkyle folks unfortunately suffered a torn ACL, and so he's out for the season. So we'll wonder, we'll see if that brings Orlando back down to the area that they would normally occupy. And now you look at the battle for New York, because when the Nets signed Katie and Kyrie, that was a clear shot across the bow that the Brooklyn Nets were coming for the crown of New York basketball. And currently. The team that's higher in the standings doesn't have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis Lavert. Instead, the New York Knicks led by Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, Austin Rivers and O.B. Toppin when he's healthy are currently the fifth seed in the East. they have got guys like Stephen A. Smith, very excited. Other guys like myself are chuckling and calling it fool's gold. However, Tom Thibodeau has his team playing hard. They're really, really working there in New York. And currently, they are the fifth seed, the Cavs. After starting out ridiculously hot early, along with the Hawks, have both turned back into, well, the Cavs and the Hawks. The Cavs are now the eighth seed, the Hawks being the ninth. And so, the a situation where it's just, the slipper came off a little early, midnight struck a little soon. Or maybe those teams get back into contention, especially the Hawks, when they get back fully healthy. So now if you look at the Bucks, the Bucs are, well, the bucks they hit 33s in one game, and then they can't throw a brick in the ocean and lose against a team they shouldn't. So it is not a lot of different with the Bucs, in my opinion. It's still very super, super Giannis-centric. Drew Holiday is helping, but it's a situation where I don't believe in the Bucs because they have fooled us these past couple years with these amazing regular season records. And then it's playoff, flame out, playoff, flame out and so right now if i had to pick a team to come out of the east i would pick the 76ers who should have come out of the east two years ago the Kawhi hit the shot in the corner that bounced on the rim six times otherwise i think philly gets to the nba finals that year and we don't even have the big controversy of nba versus simmons because they have at least the nba finals appearance on their resume and if the injury luck stays the same they're champions so I think the Sixers come out of the East this season, led by Doc Rivers, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. Shifting to the West, the whole thing looks weird. I mean, not all nine teams in the top nine are odd, but the places there are odd. For instance, the number one seed in the West is the Phoenix Suns. I'm not kidding, I'll read them in order. Suns 1, Clippers, Lakers, Jazz, Pelicans, Mavs. Trailblazers, Spurs, Warriors Let's go back to number one The Phoenix Suns are the number one seed currently in the West No, I'm not kidding the, uh, Chris Paul, doing it again He was in New Orleans Furthest the New Orleans franchise has ever gotten into the playoffs Chris Paul was there, West the Conference Finals He did it with the Clippers The furthest the Clippers have ever gotten in the NBA playoffs West the Conference Finals, Chris Paul was there he did it with the Thunder. The Thunder, who many thought were tanking and was gonna trade Chris Paul either before the season or right at the deadline. They they only were the fourth or fifth seed and had a very legitimate shot of p- playing the Lakers in the second round if it wasn't for James Harden making some great plays on defense, of all things. And now he's with the Suns. And it looks like the Suns are gonna be a top team in the West. And I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs because they have DeAndre Aiden, they've got Chris Paul, they've got Devin Booker, they've got Jay Crowder, they've got Monon Williams at coach. I wouldn't want to play them at all. I wouldn't want to see that team at all. They The Pelicans were absolutely on fire when they played the Suns, and then they got completely dismantled by Phoenix. Phoenix only lost two games all season. They are currently in possession of the best record, second-best record in the NBA behind the 76ers. And this is a tough team. And they know exactly what they're getting done. You got Monty Williams, like I said, who's a great coach. You've got Chris Paul, who's an extension of any coach he plays for. And so right now, the Phoenix Suns are the number one team in the West. Two and three, no shockers there. Two, three, and four, honestly. Not a big shock. Uh, Clippers, Lakers, and Jazz. Clippers and Lakers are two of the title favorites. And the Jazz are a great regular season team, led by Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. For number five, that's interesting. Those upstart Pelicans, who should be six and two. The Pelicans should very well be six and two, but with youth comes unfortunate moments. And so with the Pelicans, they blew a game where they were up six with 23 seconds left. They lost that game in overtime. And then they gave away their last contest as well. And so they are four and four, but they should be six and two. However, They are still the 5th seed in the West as of this moment, which would be the highest seed out West since Chris Paul left the team to go to the Los Angeles Clippers. 6-7, and no huge shock, not even 8 really, with the Spurs sitting at 8. Golden State's at 9, which is decently impressive considering their roster. That team's not very good. Kayla Oubre looks like he can't play basketball anymore. Andrew Wiggins is a decent player. Okay, Jermon Green is several years removed from those days of defensive player of the year and effective point forward. Tomatoes in their ninth. It's credit to Steph Curry, who went for 62 against the Portland Trail Blazers, presumably because of Dame's comments about him not being able to get easier shots with the lack of clay and KD. He went for 62. Impressive, admittedly. Can't, can't deny that. But a situation where how many times can he go for 60? How many times can he go for 50? to drag this roster into the playoffs. So it'll be very interesting to see there. Now, quickly, a so little news. Um we haven't heard a lot of anything about James Harden market because all the teams that he presumably wanted to go to are playing well. The Heat are not. So maybe he ends up in Miami. But Brooklyn's playing decent and when they are fully healthy, they have a they have a health issue. Uh Philly's absolutely rolling. No need to break that up. Like I said, it could be in Miami, but other than that, I don't see a big market at this time for James Harden. Now, Adam Silver stated that he would be open to relocation or expansion, ideas rather. Now, to make up for COVID losses. I think he wanted to expand anyway. He just didn't have a legitimate reason to do it besides, I want to expand. Now, he can say, due the COVID losses, it is best for the NBA to expand to recuperate some of those losses. Now... Obviously, there's two obvious choices for expansion. Seattle, Las Vegas. Seattle should be number one because of they have never truly forgiven the NBA or truly forgiven the Thunder organization for leaving them. They support everything they support their WNBA team due to basically fan drivenness they got a hockey team now they're cracking like I said they split the WNBA team the storm they support anything up there in seattle because they just love sports but they really love basketball and so i think the seattle supersonics should come back i think that they should do what the Hornets slash bobcats did where when they when the charlotte hornets came back all of the records went back to charlotte like it's weird because the new orleans the new orleans original franchise was the jazz when they went to utah P. Maverick played in New Orleans, all his records end up going to Utah. Of course, you know, okay, that makes sense. Well, when New Orleans came back as the Pelicans, or the Hornets, that was the team from Charlotte who moved to New Orleans. They were the Charlotte Hornets. So, like, all of their, like, Alonzo Mornings and da-da-da-da were technically under the Hornets' umbrella. Well, when the Charlotte Hornets got their name back, basically, you just, history, effectively, removed Alonzo Morning and all those guys from Charlotte and stuck in New Orleans, and stuck them back in Charlotte. So I think that they should do that for the Sonics. The Sonics, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, and all those guys' records and jerseys and stuff should go back to Seattle, hang in the new arena, and the Sonics are back, and the Thunder be their own separate entity, like the Pelicans are their own separate entity from the Charlotte Hornets. But that's just an idea. Maybe they want to do that? I don't know. But Seattle should get their team back. Seattle should be number one. Number two, easily should be Las Vegas Like I said about Seattle Las Vegas should it Supports anything, they support the Aces They support the Golden Knights In the NHL, it's support the Aces In the WNBA, they're already big supporters Of the Raiders in the NFL If they haven't been in the stadium yet they have, They're have. they supporting three franchises Why not give them an the NBA team The Summer League's already there the worries of betting Conspiracies and all this stuff Alleviated because they've Already been there so long at this point It's just normal it's the norm For the area it's the norm for the City they support their sports franchises So I think that Vegas And Seattle should get Teams Seattle obviously bring the Sonics moniker back I'm not sure what she do in Vegas uh, but That's definitely something they should consider or they should Do rather and then You to go for oh, Justin And you've got uneven conferences. Easy, you send New Orleans and Memphis to the East. Geographically, it makes sense. I mean, Memphis, I know they came from Vancouver, so I get why they were in the West, but they came to the East, they settled in Memphis, Tennessee, which is about as East as East can get, and yet they're in the Western Conference. New Orleans is in the same time zone as Chicago. Chicago plays in the East, New Orleans plays in the West. Not only, does, not only does New Orleans play in the West, they play in the gosh darn Southwest with the Texas teams, which is not an easy division at all. Easy. So easy solution, you send Memphis and New Orleans East, you start playing with the tweaking divisions in the schedule, and you roll with it that way. But that way, the country is really divided East and West. All the geographical cities make sense. And so from that point on, everything should be okay with the NBA. With having Seattle and Vegas back, you'll more than recoup the money. And you make the East even more interesting in the middle to the bottom because Memphis, fully healthy, they're better than the Knicks. New Orleans, fully healthy, better than the Knicks, the Pacers, the Magic, the Cavs, and the Hawks in my opinion. So you make the middle of the East even stronger and you add star power with John Moran and Zion Williamson out East. But up next, we're going to shift to the college football playoff championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome back in. And now we're going to shift to the college football playoff championship between the number one seed Alabama Crimson Tide and the number three seeded Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, this game is not the game that many were expecting. Honestly, a lot of people expected to see Ohio State lose to Clemson and get Trevor Lawrence, Alabama, in Trevor Lawrence's last game in college football and a possible revenge game for Alabama because Trevor Lawrence took them out as a freshman. And so Alabama will get back right when Trevor Lawrence gets back for his third time in the title game in three years. And we will find out if Trevor Lawrence walks away with two titles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Ohio State had different plans. Justin Fields, even though he got his ribs cracked, had different plans. And Ohio State won the game fairly convincingly. Uh, last week, I said, man, I would take Ohio State against that spread. I don't think they would cover. Uh, I don't think Clemson would cover that game. And it turns out they didn't cover. They didn't even win. Ohio State had a great performance on both sides of the ball. Trevor Lawrence fumbled three times He threw an interception He looked a little rattled there His offensive line fell apart Also because Ohio State was scoring so fast Clemson never really was able to get Travis Etienne that involved in the game Put it all on Trevor Lawrence And not necessarily his he failed But his offensive line let him down And that was not the way Trevor Lawrence wanted to end his career Because he ultimately declared for the draft Yesterday or the day before Alabama Dominated like we expected Notre Dame got a BS backdoor cover On the spread so if you guys Bet the spread in that game you lost a little money there Because Notre Dame like I said got A BS backdoor cover And With that being said It was not At all something Spectacular for betters out there To watch Notre Dame get that last touchdown In a meaningless situation So that sets up Alabama Ohio State that sets up Mac Jones, Justin Fields, that sets up Chris Olave, Devonta Smith, who's Heisman winner, I'm sorry, Heisman winner, Devonta Smith at receiver, that sets up all these great talents playing against each other for the right to call themselves a the national champion. College football patches up on the back, we made it. Just at the NFL, you guys, due to be on college campus, financials and all the other stuff didn't bubble. You basically just You made it work Ohio State had to get A few rules bent for them They only played six games And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera And Alabama You know, it's going to be Their 13th game I believe 14th game possibly They play 10 games Conference championship this is their 13th game So When you've got two different game schedules and you've got talent levels and it it, didn't no way people thought we'd get through the college season i mean the nfl people say there's too much money involved there's billions of dollars at stake for the nfl all those guys are billionaires owners they're not letting that money go we're gonna power through but I mean, many people thought that the college programs would flat out just get scared if they had an incident and run and duck and hide and you know, wouldn't finish the season. We started too late. We wouldn't have a real playoff, etc., etc., etc. Well, we made it, and so now we've got Alabama versus Ohio State. Because why not have two of the richest programs ever finish off this crazy season? Alabama for sure is the favorite in this game, and I would say Alabama is going to win this game closely, very, very closely, because the pass rush. That Ohio State was able to get on Clemson, they have a chance to get on Alabama. That pass rush wasn't there for a lot of the season for Ohio State, and it seemed to show up against Clemson, especially because Justin Fields was, I don't know, breaking several records for Ohio State while in that game. Throwing the ball over the field, making all these amazing throws, six touchdowns, and stuff like that. It was actually a spectacular show with him, Olave, trace Simon out of the backfield, and others. As for Alabama, you know what they have. The Heidman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith. They've got Mac Jones at quarterback, NFL first-round pick. They've got Najee Harris at running back, probable NFL first-round pick. Jalen Waddle may give it a go this game after hurting himself early in the season. 95% of people thought he was done for the year. Now he's talking about going. He's a game-time decision for the national championship game and what will be his last college game as well. You've got all this talent on both sides of the field, but the coaching edge is about a field goal between Nick Saban and Ryan Day, and because of that, I would give Alabama's talent about a field goal. So I would say Alabama wins the game by about six, six or seven, about a touchdown. I would say Alabama wins the game by a touchdown, crowning Nick Saban and his Crimson Tide program national champions again, and we will have gotten through a successful college football season after monday night now there is a small covet situation happening with ohio state ryan day said he doesn't anticipate the game being postponed uh basically ensuring us that the situation is vastly under control and that they wouldn't have an issue playing the game on monday but congratulations to college football congratulations to both of these programs and this situation for having being able to be played. I mean, again, who thought we were going to make it through the NFL with no bubble? Who thought we were going to make it through college football with no bubble? Now basketball is coming into its own as well. So congratulations to all three of those sports, but congratulations to college football for making it to a successful, hopefully successful college football championship game in which Alabama will win by about six to seven points. Up next, though, we are going to shift to best for last, which is going to be a discussion about some prominent siblings in sports ahead of the first ever ball brother clash tonight between the Hornets and the Pelicans. Hello everybody and welcome back into our best for last, which is going to be a discussion about some good siblings in sports. So, as many of you may or may not know, uh Lamello Ball and the Charlotte Hornets will play Lonzo Ball and the New Orleans Pelicans tonight at 6:30 central, 7:30 Eastern on ESPN. This will be the first clash of the brothers ever on competing teams obviously being brothers they played the same youth teams together they were on that amazing chino hills squad a few years ago together and then the age gaps never allowed them to play against each other ever even on the same court as each other since lonzo's senior year of high school however this would be the first time they share an official regulation court together since lonzo's senior year of high school at chino hills and it would be on the opposite teams for the first time in their careers now This brought to mind several siblings in sports. Uh, You have the Holiday Brothers in the NBA. You've got Drew, Justin, Aaron. Uh, Obviously, Drew being the best of the three, but Aaron and Justin are good rotational players and with potential to be starters, consistent starters in the NBA. You've got the Cumbros. Obviously, the main player out of the group being Giannis Antetokounmpo, two-time MVP, but you've got his older brother, the Nasus Antetokounmpo, who plays with him on the Bucks, and his younger brother, the Antetokounmpo, who is now an NBA champion, the first side of the family, who plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. You've got other NBA brothers, Power and Marc Gasol, the first brothers ever traded for each other, and now Marc Gasol, who was originally drafted by the Lakers, traded from Mark Gasol to the Grizzlies, now is playing on the Lakers, where his career all started, so how about that for a full circle? You have obviously the the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, you've got the NFL trio of J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, Derek Watt, also with the Edmonds brothers, Um, you have several other cases of siblings, and it's just pretty awesome to see, again, with the newest wave being the Ball brothers. You've got Alonzo, LaMelo, and now LiAngelo, who signed in the NBA G League, will be in the draft on Monday, I believe. Even though the OKC Blue owned his rights, he will be in the G League draft on Monday. And so this is a very interesting time, a very cool moment for the Ball family. I'm sure LaVar's chest is 10 feet out today, watching Alonzo and LaMelo go at each other. In a normal year, he will probably be courtside. Boom, right in New Orleans, courtside Ready for this game Jumping and clapping and laughing and being LeVar Because his, his, his two boys are on the court in the NBA at the same time And then the third one's coming through the G League So, very exciting time for the Ball family And congratulations to LeVar and Tina Who doesn't get nearly the press that LeVar does But congratulations to LeVar and Tina Ball But that is all we have for today I hope you guys enjoyed. It's a long one, but I hope you guys enjoyed today. I hope you guys are ready for a great season two. And I thank you so much for all the support you give me and the show. And I hope you guys keep it up. If you like what you hear, tell your friends, hit the subscribe button, drop a rating. And you guys have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.